Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Well, go ahead and pull out your notes if you would. We are on a series called The Heart of Worship. And just to catch anybody up who was not here last week, last week we focused on the object of our worship. And the object of our worship is the reason for this gathering. His name is Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. 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 And I encourage you, listen, don't get sidetracked. Are they going to sing my favorite song? Is, is Freddie here this morning? And, and just so many other things. And I'm thinking about, uh, you know, what time is the... Re- so many things can consume you when you have a moment to give praise to the one who is worthy of our praise, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, is there anybody who believes Jesus is worthy this morning? Say amen. 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 So This morning, we're going to talk about the way that we worship. Listen, over the years, there have been many people who have visited the church that I have pastored, whether it was in Michigan, in the inner city, or here. And when I followed up on them, or I saw them maybe before they left service, or, or maybe at some point, they said something like this. Pastor, I really enjoyed your, your service. The people were friendly. The message was good. But the way you all worship, you know, you lift your hands, you're, you're, you're vocal. Um, I'm just not used to that. That's really not the way um, that I do things. And so, so your way is not really my way. So I probably won't be back again. And that leads to this question and really where we're headed today. Can you worship however you want? In other words, is the way that you're comfortable with God's way? Okay, the answer to that is no, all right? God must be worshiped according to the pattern set in his word. Now, some of you might find that offensive. You say, well, who do you think he is, God? Think about it for a moment, all right? See, if you can decide how you're going to worship God, doesn't that make you God? Think, think about this, all right? So, so you begin to date this, this, this person that you're, a, you, you know, if you're a guy and she's really cute, you want to get her attention, so you, you go and buy her 12 roses to make a statement that this is getting serious now, okay? You present them at the door and she begins to sneeze and cough. You say, what's wrong? I'm allergic to roses, she says, or allergic to flowers, okay. Do you continue to bring her flowers if you know the gift is not pleasing to her? Okay, so, so how many of you know our worship is a gift to God? Would it not make sense that we give him the gift that is pleasing to him and not something that we choose to present to him? I know it's quiet in here, but help me this morning, all right? You see, the very word worship, when you read in the New Testament, is the Greek word proskuneo, and it literally means to humble yourself in prostration before God. In a sense, what it's saying is, look, I'm going to set aside my thoughts on this, and Lord, I'm going to worship you in the way that you desire to be worshiped. Are you still with me this morning? So you say, well, why? Why should I worship God his way? Well, first of all, worshiping God his way is an acknowledgement that he's God because you're choosing to do it his way. But there's another part of this. When you choose to come before God his way, you know what you get? Say what, pastor? Yeah, you get God. You see, when you come his way, the blessing is that he comes and you have a, a moment of intimacy with him. 
And that's really the goal of our worship, that, we would, that we'd have a God encounter together, that we'd sense his presence, his working in our lives, and he'd be able to insert what we need to head into the next week. Can you say amen? Kind of like the new guy at work, all right? Um, you know, you, you, you have a, maybe, a, maybe somebody who went through um, some mechanics classes or whatever, but you're a, you're a, you've been on this for 30 years as a mechanic. And he comes in, he gets his first job. Ah, I don't need your help. And about three hours later into a 20-minute job, uh, hey, could, could you give me a hand? And that's kind of what happens in worship. Like at some point, you gotta humble yourself and say, Lord, if there's a way you want me to do it, then I'm gonna humble myself and do it your way. After all, you are God and you have the right to say, this is how I want it done. Because see, if you could worship God however you want it, listen, let's say one day you light three red candles and an angel shows up. You know what you'd do? You'd market that. You'd be like, I found the way to God. And you'd make a website, buy from me three red candles for $58 each. They're special candles now. You understand? And you'd market this. But see, it's no secret. The way God wants to be worshipped, the pattern is right here. So when we choose to do it his way, then we get his results. Come on, if you're still with me, say amen. All right. Now what I want to do for a moment, I want to take you in the Old Testament and show you this. And then we'll move to New Testament worship, all right? And what I want to do, I want to just show you how specific and how attuned they were to God's pattern in the Old Testament. So here we are in the book of Leviticus 9. It says, they took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting. Now, where did Moses get these instructions? Yeah, up on the mountaintop. When he was up on Mount Sinai, God gave him specific instructions on the tabernacle, on how burnt offerings and offerings were to be done. And the entire assembly came near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded you to do so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Notice what God wanted to do. I want to come and visit with you. However, you have to do it my way. Okay, so the heart of God was, I want to be with you, but, but it's got to be done my way, all right? Now notice, we're going to look at a couple verses. Notice how specific they are in following the instructions. He slaughtered the ox, this would be the high priest now, and the ram as the fellowship offering for the people. His sons handed him the blood and he sprinkled it against the sides of the altar. But the fat portions of the ox and the ram, the fat tail, the layer of fat, the kidneys and the covering of the liver, those they laid on the breast, and then Aaron burned the fat on the altar. Why are they doing these things? Yeah, God told them. Aaron waved the breasts and the right thigh before the Lord as a wave offering as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Now imagine you and me there that day. Three offerings while the Ravens game is on at 12.05. By the way, no Ravens game today, so I'm just going to take my time. All right, there you go. All right. Uh, um, you understand, and, and they're going through all the, oh, now he's, why is he waving that piece of meat in the air? Oh, this is craziness. Okay, but notice the next verses, all right? Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. Then they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to the people. Fire 
came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. Listen, now suddenly no one's complaining. Look, and all the people saw it. They shouted for joy and they fell face down. Come on, what, what is the benefit if we all get on the same page and just say, look, together we're gonna lift up the name of Jesus. Anybody believe the glory can still fall, that God can still visit us, that God can still move? You know, it's fun to watch new people that are coming among us. People who, maybe like myself, uh, was, was raised in a much more traditional church. And at first, they're kind of taken back, like, look at these people, what's wrong with them, you know? And, but then they begin to notice something, that some of the people who are the most engaged also seem to be enjoying the deepest presence. And they're like, well, maybe I'll give this a try. It's kind of like... <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? And then maybe next week it's both hands. And then it's like, and, and then at some point it's like, who cares? I just want Jesus. You know, you know what I mean? And, and uh, there's nothing in the world like the, the touch of God. Okay, but listen, this isn't about, this isn't about, this is how Eastern Assembly of God does things. Or this is how our church has done it for 500 years. No, no, no. What does God say? about the pattern that we're to follow, all right? See, I was raised in a very very traditional church in, in the hills of Pennsylvania, and uh, I thought I had this down because I had the service memorized. I knew the Nicene Creed, I knew the Apostles' Creed, I knew when to stand, I knew when to sit, and I thought it was spiritual because I didn't have to open the, the book with all the creeds in it, right? But you know what? You know one thing I never experienced in all those years? Yeah, the, the presence of God. Because it was, it was a road. It was, it was a routine that, that we all went through. Hey, hey, our church, it, it can be a routine here too if you don't really understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Amen? So, so you know, if it's done man's way, it's empty. And that begs the question, and where we're gonna talk for the next five points, okay, what is the biblical pattern for worship in the New Testament? In other words, how does God want us to come? All right, let's answer Uh, five questions concerning that. The first is this. What is the biblical pattern for worship? Number one, you must, say must. You must be born again, all right? Here's the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. In reply, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Okay, now listen to me. Worship happens in your deepest man, your, your spirit man. When we worship, yeah, there might be some outward expression, but ultimately, your spirit is connecting with God's spirit. It, worship begins from the innermost man. Okay. Now, if you have not been born again, your innermost man is dead. Because of sin, your spirit is like a dried up prune. You understand? But when you're born again and you ask Jesus to come in, It's more than just being forgiven, although that's a wonderful part of what happens. But he forgives you and literally breathes his life inside of you. And in a moment, listen, your first birth was a physical birth. Being born again is your spiritual birth where the life of God literally comes in and brings life. Your spirit man comes alive and it then and only then can you begin to enjoy communion with God. All right? So it does me no good to teach you the routine of worship 
if you don't have the life of God in your spirit so that you can connect with him. Come on, where, where are you up in the balcony up there? I'm looking for you, all right? All right, and, and listen, I believe, listen, I believe if you're here today and you're not born again, God brought you here to hear the message. And, and listen, I wanna make one point about this. So many people say, well, pastor, I have some things that I need to work on before I take that step. Okay, listen to me, that's not, that's not how it's done. You can work on everything you wanna work on, that's not gonna cause Jesus to come in. Jesus is a gift to be received. And when he comes in and gives you new life, you're gonna find power to overcome those things that if you walk out the door without him, you won't have. Come on, somebody. How many of you know Jesus takes you as you are? Okay, here's what I say. Come as you are, but you won't stay as you are once Jesus breathes on you. Come on, how many believe today would be a great day for somebody to receive Jesus? All right. Amen. You must be cleansed and declared righteous to come before the Lord. That's what happens when you're born again. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, what is our confidence? That Jesus has done a work in our lives to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Now, for the next two points, I want to use this verse and make two points out of it. It says, Jesus, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, let me take them in reverse order. First, we'll talk about truth. Then we'll talk about spirit, okay? What is the biblical pattern for worship in the New Testament? You must worship God in truth. And what that means to me and to you is it means from a sincere heart, hiding nothing. Okay, you're just honest with God about where you're at, what is going on in your life. Psalm 66, 18 says this. If I had cherished sin in my heart, to cherish means I'm holding on to it, I don't care, it's mine, the Lord would not have, yeah, what good is it to come to worship if you don't have God's attention? Right. Let me talk, take a moment to talk to you about the difference between conviction and condemnation. Okay, one comes from God, one comes from hell. All right? Let's start with the one that comes from God, conviction. Conviction happens when you come into a service. It could be in, in your own personal prayer time. And you, you, you turn your attention to the Lord and you sense the Lord says to you, listen, before you lift those hands, you need to forgive that guy who cut you off this week and you've been holding that in your heart all week long. You need to let go of that. Let go and then come to me. Okay, Con conviction Conviction will deal with something in your life that's not right, but it will provide a solution. The solution is repentance and confession. Okay, you understand that? How many of you have ever come into a service, you've tried to connect with God, and you just sensed there's something else that you needed, you needed to ask God forgiveness for, you needed to get things right? Okay, that, that is conviction, all right? Conviction is healthy, all right? It's a good thing, all right? Conviction happens when God puts his finger on something in your life that is not surrendered to him. The purpose is to lead you to confession and repentance. Condemnation, on the other hand, is a blanket statement that has no solution. You are not worthy to worship. I mean, what can you do about that? It's like, well, if I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. So, so the devil is, 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 in a sense, trying to remind you of where you've been, all your faults, all your failures, as a means to get you just to shut down completely. All right? Condemnation does not come from God. Matter of fact, the Bible says, love this verse, Romans 8, 1. Oops, 
Missed that one. That's what we're to do with conviction. If we confess our sins, God forgives us. Condemnation comes from the devil and seeks to drive you away from pursuing God. But the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is, shout that next word out. No condemnation. You know why there's no condemnation? Say why, pastor. Because not only does God forgive you, the Bible says he throws your sins into the sea of his forgetfulness. So what the devil tries to condemn you with, God says, what are you talking about? I don't even remember because you've asked me to forgive you. You understand? How many understand the difference? Conviction is healthy. It gets us to, 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 to repentance, to get things right. Condemnation, not from God, but according to his word, there is now no condemnation. Amen? So here's a, here's a question. Does God accept my worship when I'm struggling? Yeah. Again, the key is sincerity. I'm struggling, I'm not hiding that. I'm gonna go down and let somebody pray for me. I'm struggling, I need, I need prayer. If you're sincere, if I were to ask how many in this room have ever gone through a period of struggle, whether that was a struggle with an individual sin, struggle with an attitude, uh, um, you know, that there, it was a little period of time to fight through, all of us would raise our hands. And thank God we serve a God who's, who's willing to stick with us through the struggles of life. Now, what God doesn't want is for you to reach a point where you say, you know what, I'm holding on to that. I don't care what, Lord, I'm not letting go of that. Now, that becomes a problem. But as long as your heart is, God, I want this out of my life, but I feel like I, I don't know what to do. God, please help me. God will work with you. He'll, he'll accept your worship. In fact, it's many times in a service like this that, that, that the deliverance and the answer comes. You understand? So again, don't let the enemy uh, talk you out of that, all right? Don't let him put condemnation on you. God accepts your worship when you're struggling as long as you're honest before God about what is going on, amen? Have you ever visited a church that looked right? In other words, they had a wonderful worship band, the music was great, people were lifting their hands, but you kind of you like, this is great, but where's God? Like, you understand, like, the outward was right, but, and then you find out in talking to somebody, maybe you get to know somebody in the congregation, everybody talks about everybody, everybody gossips about everybody, it's like, you understand, underlying the outward is this, this inward that's not so good. Okay, can I remind you, worship starts in the inner man, and it's important, come on, somebody, that we have things right with God, all right, so, in truth, what is the biblical pattern for worship? Let's cover that second one. You must worship God in your spirit. Spirits, your worship originates in your spirit. Ultimately, it is your spirit connecting with God. All right? And so, so understand that. Yeah, God wants us to worship with all of ourselves, but it starts where? It's a desire for me to connect and have an encounter with God. If you understand that, say amen. amen. All right, now, let me also say to you, to some of you in this room, you're guarded. You're guarded because you've been through some hard things in life. You're guarded. You just kind of got guards up. Can I encourage you that with the Lord, things are different than it is with people? You, you may not be able to discern the motives of a person, but can I tell you the motives of God are always pure? Can I encourage you, even if you're guarded in front of people, 
to learn to let down that guard because what you ultimately need comes from him. And can I just say, the person who created you and loved you enough to send his only son to die for you would never intentionally hurt you. There may hurts that come that God will use to do things in you. But he's not sitting up there in heaven saying, man, I just can't wait to hurt them. Doesn't work that way. Come on, somebody. Amen? All right. Number four, moving along. What is the biblical pattern for worship in the New Testament? Number four, God loves the outward expression of our worship. Worship is to involve our whole being, spirit, soul, and body. After all, does not the Bible tell us we are to love the Lord our God with? Yeah, all of our heart, all of our strength, all right? Look, look at Psalm 150, just for an example. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And then to emphasize this point, he says it again. Praise the Lord. Does that kind of give you the idea? Man, if you got something, praise God, right? God loves it when we're born again, hiding nothing in our hearts, and, and just humbling ourselves and saying, God, I give all my being. Let's, let's look at some verses together that give us a pattern. Matter of fact, if you want to look in the Bible for how you're supposed to worship, you look in the Psalms because Psalms were literally songs of worship written under the inspiration of God talking about worship.